0: Hey, what's up? Stephen Harris here. So we have a really cool idea for this week's episode on the Success Flow podcast. Uh, what's awesome is since we started this back in May of this year, Phil and I have been invited on other people's podcasts as guests to share our story, how we think, how we operate. And so for this week, we wanted to share an episode from our really good friend, Ryan Madrid, and his sister, Trisha Madrid, is also on the podcast to co-host it. And it's an amazing podcast. They've been running it for years. They've got hundreds of episodes on YouTube, Spotify. You can find them wherever you catch your your pods called Into the Storm. And this week's episode is going to be all about Phil Crawford. He jumps on their podcast recently. We're going to share that exact episode. It's a longer episode than what we typically put on the Success podcast, but it makes it super, super impactful. It's meaningful. It's very important that you understand where Phil comes from because his backstory, you guys, is incredible. It's not your typical growing up backstory. And I think a lot of you will be surprised. And he talks about how he's overcome a lot of the challenges and obstacles. As he continues to define success for himself and how he operates and what he does in his everyday life and his habits and getting into uh, a lot of the nitty gritty of who is Phil Crawford. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Again, it's from the Into the Storm podcast. Go check it out. But you can listen to it here right now on the Success Flow podcast. My guy, Philip Crawford with host Ryan Madrid. And I absolutely love this episode. I've listened to it probably twice, two or three times. And there's some things that I didn't even know about Phil. He gets really into the details, um, which is really, really super exciting. So anyway, I'll let you into the episode of Into the Storm with Phil Crawford, the man we all love, my best friend. Enjoy everything about it.
1: I typically haven't lately, I shouldn't say typically, but I haven't lately introduced everybody. Right away, but I am today because we have a special guest in the room today, and it's not you. That's so not me. we've got my sister over here. says we always say it's the family affair, but this time it really is. So we got Trish over here; she's the podcast production producer, and then we have the podcast engineer Trey, which is my nephew and godson, and then we have my son Ada Madrid in the in the house today from Los Angeles because his birthday is on Saturday. It's turning. 22 years old, and uh, he is currently looking for a job because his internship is over with Create Music, so yeah. he went to Crass, which is a Conservatory of Recording Arts Studio, right? That's what it's called? A record, uh, Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Arts and Sciences. Yeah. I've said it so wrong it's quite long, a bit. It's long. It's a yeah. long name. So, yeah, so he graduated from there just a few weeks ago, really, yeah. so... Now he's looking for a real job. Yeah. So anybody out there that wants to hire somebody as a sound engineer.
2: It please. can already tell he's got great taste in music. right? <laughs> in like the Rod Stewart sure. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: He's got, he's got a wide range of music uh, likings, I guess you could say, right? Of course. Um, so let's move on to the guest, though. The special guest today is Phil Crawford. Um, and Phil is another guest from our illustrious group, Junto. You pronounce,
2: w- you pronounce it correctly. It's, it's not, not really correctly.
1: Actually. It's actually Junto. Junto. It's Junto.
3: Junto or Junto, but yeah, we looked it up actually. When junto, Junto,
1: Junto, and Junto.
2: For for this, we can't podcast, do this again. We just did junto. this last week with Steven, we're So, going so it's junto. Like,
1: we're going Junto. It's just easiest for the whites. Um, so uh, so you've been in the group now for a couple years. And um, I think one of the things today, there's so much to unpack with Phil. That's that's why I think this is going to be a special episode. Um, Because he's one of the younger guys in the group, um, but he's quickly rose to one of the leaders of the group. And um, I think that even though his career is in the enterprise space, um, you know, there's a lot of other things that you've brought to the table so far that I want to get to where I want to talk about today. And a lot of it's regarding just like, you know, your mindset and, you know, the kind of just growing and uh, figuring out like some of the things from your past, right? So a lot of things that have happened over your life and then I think it's led you to this new space and, and it's, and it's made have been influence, big influence on all the guys in the group. And uh, it's funny, we talked about this earlier. That's, we're kind of looking at like, look, looking at you like that guy now instead of the guy that works at... <laughs> Whatever company's name is, we can say if we want to.
2: <laughs> uh, like, I appreciate it because starting out with the group, when when Stephen brought up the invite, I was extremely interested just because of knowing what Junta was. Uh, had attempted to start it up coming out of college, but when Stephen brought it up, you know the the makeup of the group, I was a little hesitant. Uh, even after meeting yeah. a couple of the guys, um, most of the group are business owners. Uh, uh, full-fledged entrepreneurs and most have kids, right? And so th- those two things after getting to know I was like, I don't know, like, am I, is this going to be a fit? But after getting to, to know you guys after over the course of the last couple of years, it's one of the best decisions I've made. And a originally
1: of it. it was made for, it was, you're supposed to be a business owner or mm-hmm. C-suite, right? So most of the guys are, um, <clears throat> but it just depends upon the person and how they're going to fit. And obviously you were a good decision in that aspect. So Let's talk a little bit about how you got there to to your current job at Kiva. Oh,
2: work Kiva. Yeah, work Kiva. Work Kiva. Yeah. So, um, shoot, it's that was eleven years ago, and kind of working backwards, I entered the workforce. Bringing it full circle with Stephen to start uh, as an intern at a payroll tax company in Scottsdale uh, that Steven's dad founded, was in a marketing function and was interning in a marketing function. And then this was 2009, was on the, the law school path and realized that I did not wanna go down the law school path and I had a conversation with Steven's dad over lunch. I'd been there a couple of years. At that time, was looking to make a move into the sales organization. Actually, that was pre ADP uh, acquisition. Essentially decided, if I had the opportunity to jump into a marketing role in the current state of that economy, instead of going to law school, it was a, it was a pretty attractive yeah. uh, opportunity and the logical next step. And so we did. And then shortly thereafter, ADP did acquire master tax uh, making us ADP employees. And it was beneficial to both of us from an experience wise. That is when Really got the, the calling, realizing Steven was in sales, our friendship, and getting to know the workings of the business. It was at a lot of trade shows. Realized I wanted to make a switch into the sales role and the sales world. And while I was getting my resume out and about and uh, things were changing at ADP, Workiva reached out, said there was a small startup out of Iowa, mm-hmm. and I almost didn't take it because they were so new. And so went down to Sky Song, walked into the that Phase One building, and there's a ping pong table, and a guy in Jordans in a V-neck right. t-shirt. And this is supposed to be an enterprise software company, and there's one guy sitting on literally he had a box as a desk, and a chair rolled up next to him. He's like, hey, and he's like, that's the sales team. Anyway this guy proceeded to walk me through what the vision was for workiva where it was going they had changed the game in regard to financial reporting and that the curve of people that were going to be using the software literally the white space of how the industry was going to change and he said if you don't take this offer or, or if you move on to the next phase which was one other interview at the time if it doesn't go anywhere he goes i'll find you another job yeah and was supposed to start with another company that next week and I canceled on them and, and took the job. And now it's been 11 years later, wow. uh, been with Workiva selling in multiple facets.
1: And you've had a ton of success early you've made a lot of money and I think this is going to lead us back into, to the more back into your life. And it's like <clears throat> you found out quickly that there, that wasn't the solution to everything, right? There was uh, it was fun to have money obviously and have success, but there was something missing. Um so let's go back to, to where you're from. You're from Missouri, correct? Yep. Um and kind of like this the origin story. Absolutely I think this is the this is this is the impactful stuff.
2: Yeah. So you know, like, uh, yeah, and, and I've never never shared this especially with well never shared it with uh people that I've met twelve <laughs> minutes ago. But uh
1: Or the world at this point.
2: Very uh it's a pretty unique origin story, so I was was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis. But my actual birth mother, uh, when we talk about entrepreneurship, um, it was a unique situation because my mother was actually conceiving children to with the intention of selling them outside of the government, essentially an illegal like black market. The 80s were a wild time, apparently. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she was orchestrating uh, illegal adoptions and uh, trying to pick out specific uh, types of men. And after that would happen, she would then find families that were looking that may be outside of the approval rating or whatever um, to pass along children. And so I have nine half siblings that I've never, never met. And um, I was the one that they was on the radar and uh, they intercepted and kind of, so my mom went to jail uh, shortly after I was, I was born and was put into the system for about a year, had one, had one foster home, but then was adopted by my parents. And for the yeah. rest of this conversation, we'll just say my parents cause they yeah. are. Yeah. And so two, two amazing, Parents, they were actually below the income threshold as well for adoption, but they had my parents had done so much foster parenting that they made an exception. Knew they had support from my grandparents and just grew up in a real, probably what you would think in the Midwest. A lot of church, a lot of (laughs) athletics. Um, My mother and father were adamant about us being Renaissance children or being a Renaissance man. So you would do sports. You were also in the plays. You were expected to make bees and up bees and above. Uh, church on Sundays and around the family a lot. So it just, I lucked out. Like I, I hit the, hit the lottery from a, uh, what life could have been uh, apparently. So that, that uh, is, is typically usually a unique start to the story.
3: So I have to ask a question. How did she get caught?
2: Good question. So I tried to seek down this file. This was only probably five years ago and started really going down, doing some deep work and, they, you had to file to, to actually get the details. This was all kind of disclosed to my parents before the process, but the file was closed out upon adoption. So I don't, I would have had a tough time even tracking her down, but that's a, it's a great, I'm, I'm very curious about that too. And never even had the desire to search this stuff down until, until about four or five years ago, but it's a good question. That's fascinating. Yeah. I have a lot of other questions about it too. But yeah, that's one.
1: Well, you were saying the other day that you you, know, you talked to your aunt recently about some stuff too, and and had your had your adopted parents or your other you know your immediate family that they looked at any of this stuff before.
2: So I I don't Do you know, know? I, I don't know if the, if those potential siblings have, but great point on my my aunt. This was you know transferred to her from my my mother, and she's the real reason I wound up in in Arizona. She's my godmother. She of, uh, of my extended family had had the most uh, worldly success would say, but, and we were just very close from a, a young age Yeah, and she's the reason she actually put me through Arizona state's golf camp, which is where I found out. I knew I was going to be moving here. Shortly. <laughs> shortly. When you're, 15. was that in high school? It was. Okay. So when you're, when you're a, a junior Uh, sophomore in high school and you walk down Palm Walk and stay in uh, dorms at a co-ed golf camp, it was pretty evident where I was going. But but my aunt is the one that's really been there for me because we'll probably get to it in a little bit later, but no longer have my parents and having her as a, like I'm a North Star throughout all this and putting some of these pieces together has been really instrumental to my success.
1: So let's talk about your parents. So you lost your, one of them when you were 12, right?
2: Correct. My father passed away when, when I was 12. He It was the middle of the night and he woke up, had a huge chest pain, uh, could barely uh, um, get to the car. They took him in for a uh, to, to surgery immediately as his aorta had not fully split, but had a tear. So he took a rubber band and kind of cut the rubber band, yeah. but didn't fully cut it through. That's where he was at. Got him into surgery. He got through surgery just fine, but he was put on a, a respirator in recovery, and he didn't he didn't make it through that. So he wound up not being able to uh, to breathe throughout recovery, and that was most. So
1: how was like the rest of your like elementary school through high school? Then were you just with your mom and your from, aunt? Obviously, was around
2: from from that point on. Yes. So my mom, right after that, talking back to entrepreneurship in the in the blood, she. Such a strong individual, obviously any single parent uh, doing that is, but she, she opened a hair salon as she, that was her, her skill and trade and had never opened or, or ran one before, but yeah, just my mother, some support from my grandparents was very close with them, but my, yeah, my sister and I were, were just raised as us two, we lived next to the salon and mom ran that business. Uh, yeah. Right next door.
1: So how was that for your mom when you decided to leave to Arizona?
2: That's uh yeah. When I came back from that golf camp, I'll never forget it. She she just saw the excitement, telling her about all the experience, and uh, she looked. She says she said you're you're leaving, aren't you? I, I said, can't lie to you, mom. That's really what I want to do. But she was extremely supportive. Um, she always said you you've got a special set of skills, and she was the parent that told you you can do anything, um, which I think every parent should tell their children. Uh, she was never going, she wanted me to fly, what, yeah. whatever, whatever it was. So she, she was in full support, uh, when I left, um, that was right before she wound up getting diagnosed with, with cancer.
1: Okay. So she did, how long before she passed away? Were you in here, Arizona yet?
2: I was, and that was, okay. it was four years later. She, okay. she actually, she got through all of her treatment and, and was able to, to fight it off until I actually graduated from ASU. Oh, wow. So,
1: yeah. So you've been through some stuff. Let's go back a little bit though. The adoption, like when you're now say five, six years old, did you know what, what, what had happened? I mean, did you know that, did you remember being in foster care when you were
2: one? So that's, that's a great question. And I, I do have, I do have memories. They're, they're very, they're very brief on when I first came and was introduced to the family. Like I remember being at that table and being a little bit overwhelmed with that, but you bring up a good question because my mom let me know about the adoption, not the details that I shared in the beginning about my my mother's process, my biological yeah. mother's process, but she let me know that I was adopted as soon as I c- could comprehend it. And yeah. that actually posed some interesting, uh, going through this work, it posed some interesting challenges because when I shared it at school, uh, kids are just cruel, right? Yeah. And it shouldn't be a big deal, but it, it was just kind of like, oh, you're different. You're, yeah. You're actually, your your parents didn't, your parents didn't even want you type of deal. So. Um, kids are dicks. It, but th- somebody aren't they? else chose you, aren't they? That is so. That is a very, very good point. That's, I've never, my attitude of gratitude is never has never been in question because of that like the where my life could have been just from your starting point on this earth you're, where you're geographically dropped in yeah dictates a lot of yeah. your how hard the fight's gonna be here yeah yeah
3: so, was your sister adopted as well
2: she was she was also adopted um a different mother and she uh, which has had her own set of challenges as well but she was adopted just a little bit younger than me she's four years younger and uh she has had we've given how our parents you know the timing and how early they left the planet we've we definitely had two different two different roads on on how life's how much younger is our, she four years okay
1: oh yeah, that makes a huge difference yeah. so so this all kind of leads into i think one of the like all the work you've been doing on yourself mm-hmm. and stuff, and we've been talking about this for a while now, but um when you've gone at what like what year Was it four or five years ago that you really were like, okay, I need to like dive in to do some work on myself and figure out why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving um, and deeper dive into like why maybe all this stuff happened, you know, from your childhood. and, And even though you were, you knew that you were adopted, you're still, I'm sure dealing with like PTSD of some things as you get older, you start thinking about things. Am I wrong on that? No, you're, okay.
2: you're 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 spot on, okay. and it, it was about six years ago. And because
1: you've always been a very successful person, like right? like always, yeah. right? So even though you might have been teased, you were still probably like the guy who's still good at every sport, and you know probably the guy that was the actor, the lead. <laughs> but so you know, it. So four or five years ago, were you married at this point?
2: I say it, it would be six years. But okay, ago. six years. And ago. And there's something that happens right when a guy yeah. or a human turns thirty. Yeah, like okay. you start pushing 30 and things just that there's somewhere around that area. You just start thinking, what, who am I? Like some of the, you know, you're, you've had fun, mm-hmm. you've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and you, you start contemplating things, but I was in a, a pretty low spot then. And I did have, as soon as I joined Workiva, we were in such high growth. I wound up in a, a position to where we we were selling a ton and my I was earning a lot more money than uh, anticipated at that age. And at this point, no, you know, my parents were gone. My little sister at this point is struggling very heavily with addiction. And I was in, you know, I'd be in a long-term relationship and then out of it because in my head it was like, what's the point? Like Really thinking about end game, you know, what would be the ideal situation. And it just it hit me like you're you're drinking entirely too much you're this working non-stop burning it at both ends this work hard play hard life is not right this isn't sustainable and i was on a flight back from uh, a work trip um whiskey in hand and was reading men's health uh ironically and an article came up with howard stern and transcendental meditation and i'm like Howard's turn right. meditating, went down the deep path that I kind of walked through in the, the gentle presentation. But I just gave it, I gave it a try, and I, I was, I was just at this point that, if you have you know money in the bank set up, you have all the things that people say that they want, and you're still this empty. There, there's got to be something more, and there's got to be a better way to go about this. And I'd never done therapy. I was kind of, I was pretty against therapy. That Midwest mindset is just figure it out. Right. And you know, your uh, my family is a bunch of alpha males in the Midwest. You just uh, you either have some drinks and you know, smoke a cigarette. And you just, just figure it out exactly. Yeah. Figure it out and on to the next. You just yeah. you just work harder. And uh, there's something to that too, by the way. But when I found that, I wound up going home and going down a YouTube rabbit hole. Found out that transcend, uh, transcendental meditation costs like $2,000 to go through the whole deal. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. It sounds like they're just sitting in silence and repeating a word. Uh-huh. So I'm like, let's just give this a try before we uh, start investing uh, money into it. And I think I am an exception with how quickly it dropped in because a lot of people say with meditation, it takes some time. It wasn't easy, but just getting silent like that, I was able to really get to some thoughts. I didn't get to all of this in one session, but I was like, I'm going to keep this up. And so I started, I just went hard into self-help and I had always, I was never against, it. I was always reading, you know, I was, I was always improving and trying to get better, but I went off the deep end. Uh, everything, everything I could get my hands on, real, realizing that thoughts are things that our subconscious mind is literally reprogrammable, repro- mm-hmm. which is really what is right. the crux of what I've come to and what I'm trying to pass along. And that the more we can get into silence and get into that theta mindset, we can actually reshape historically how we feel about things and let go of mm-hmm. a lot to allow us to then add the attributes and skills and life that we want. You can actually bring it into existence.
1: So the subconscious mind, when you did that um, session for us at the retreat, mm-hmm. it's funny because have you guys ever done, have you, have you ever meditated? Okay, you have, I know you have, I know you have. Well, I think we all have, but we had uh, this, um, it was like a movie room in this big house in Heber, and he did a session, and it was only like 15 minutes, right? The the actual meditation? About what, 20, 20? yeah, okay. just south the 20 a.m. And uh, it's funny because he, it was all him, you know, and a lot of the guys came out of that going, Wow, that was impactful. That was like one of the best meditations, meditative states they've gone into. And it may be because people were also tired from that before. And those beanbags were super comfortable. Those beanbags were great. I fell asleep <laughs> almost. Uh, but it was very impactful, I think. And I think coming out of that retreat, out of all the things we did, and, you know that was the thing that most people were talking about. And it's kind of like what we were talking with Stephen Harris last time. This is something that he should be doing um, along with the sub- the subconscious mind – session, but along with the meditation is a whole presentation that, you know, beyond your regular job, you know, this is something that you should be doing for everybody, right? It's like, I don't know if it's a career that you want to go do or a side hustle or whatever, Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's definitely a passion for you, right? It
2: absolutely absolutely is. This stuff works. Yeah. And so you you can only experience the benefits of it so much without wanting to be like, share it as much as possible.
1: So let's go a little bit further into the subconscious mind and like how you kind of do a little bit of what you did for us. or talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So really the, the idea is at any given point, what we're trying to go about during our daily lives, we have this, you know, our conscious brain of what we are trying to look and achieve. You have your to-do list, you have everything that you know in your conscious mind that you're trying to, to really execute on. The problem is, your subconscious mind has been programmed with all the habits, behaviors, beliefs that you have about yourself running on autopilot. And those are the things that pop into your head and tell you, okay, I'll, I'll deal with that spreadsheet later. I'll book that meeting at another time. And this is why you procrastinate. Your subconscious mind is literally telling you, no, that's difficult. Do something easier out of survival. So it's really just trying to keep you alive mm-hmm. and keep you... That's why we love being at that baseline. And that's why we, and myself included, this is not something that I've completely solved, but if you can interrupt that pattern and find that moment in between where you react to that trigger that's in your head and your subconscious mind, and you can halt it, create space, and then choose how you want to react to it. That's when the, the magic happens. It's the, that space in between reaction and response. And so when you're sitting in silence And focusing on one point of action, there's no right or wrong way to do this, but say it's your breath, each time that your head wants to go away from focusing on that breath and get distracted, you're not going to clear your head completely. You acknowledge the fact that there is a thought that popped in your head, dismiss it, and bring it back to the present moment. And that's meditation in a nutshell. And anything can be meditation. If you're going for a walk, just where each foot is going in front of each other. If you're doing deep work, and that's where the flow state stuff comes in. That's after I found meditation. My biggest goal was okay, how can I replicate this sense of focus, peace, doing without effort? It really is, and that comes from that ability to single task and stay on focus of one thing at a time. And that's where the benefit from from meditation gets us into the practical achieving and doing mm-hmm. of knowledge work.
1: Did you get most of this information from, I'm, I'm just asking for the viewers, right? So mm-hmm. from, from YouTube, from like books, like how did you figure that you just take courses? Like how did you get into all this?
2: Yeah. Great question. There were a, a lot of books, but I invested heavily in this too. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly I'll put their pricing out there but it was actually almost as much as my my master's degree it was around $30,000 to go through the flow research collectives program oh wow so that was really more of the practical how do I take these tactics and recreate flow states or get myself in a flow state but then there were three modules on how do I coach it and I'm like well you want to get better at something learn how to teach it and so I I just I've never found any group that has actually put performance coaching together like they did so I invested and went all in and that also got me a PhD performance coach for the uh the time in that program and and studied there and then I've hired outside of that four performance coaches wow. since that in in 2020 okay. or it makes sorry, me feel a
1: little bit better cuz I was thinking god this kid's gotten so good at this mm-hmm. so fast
3: <laughs> Bill, are you a, like a Dr. Joe Dispenza? Oh my fan? god!
2: Yes, every I'm breaking the, the habit of being yourself.
3: Being yourself. When I read that, I was like mind blown. Like,
2: oh,
1: that's where Jason Randolph and Tracy Randolph are obsessed with. That's the that's oh, really? where that's the retreat that they just went on.
2: Oh wow! I read yeah. the book actually. That's top of my list. Yeah,
1: you know he said it was the best thing he's ever. Brian
2: done. North,
3: I think the f- the first time he was on the podcast, the one that didn't get aired, I think he brought that up. So mm. I bought it. And I've got it on Audible, and I listen to it more than I, I... Reading it took me a while, I have to yeah. say. It's hard content. It's pretty dense. So I've, I've listened to it a few times, but what you're saying definitely seems...
2: Have you done any of his guided stuff on YouTube or Spotify? No. I'll send you after this. Okay. Because that, that's that's the exact... That. You, you nailed exactly what, what I'm getting at, and it's the sense of... He has documented portions of that book where people are curing physical disease. Yeah. And it's because of this yeah. emotional where we're holding it. dis-ease is what disease is comprised of, and it's because of that stress building up and not being released from your body. And we like to hold it. And yeah. and as soon as you get rid of it, you can not only can you physically feel it, but all of the other things that you're looking to do and tangibly achieve or achieve start to happen effortlessly. Effortlessly, so. It's just the problem is it's another thing to do. It's it yeah. requires work. It's like right. the gym for your, your mind. But right. once you get there and see the results, it really builds on each session. So
1: So did that lead to like what was like the next thing that you were doing? Because like I, there's the meditation, there's the breath work, there's the subconscious mind, how do I implement it that all, you know, then the books and the podcasts and the YouTube <laughs> the course, the PhD, I mean, the, you know, you're constantly learning. You're, uh, you're obviously way into this. So when did like the toxic, like, let's get rid of like the toxins in my body sort of stuff come about?
2: Yeah. So I, I think I know, know, know what you're getting at. And it's very, <laughs> it, it. you and I, you and I bonded over this. Cause when I found out you were doing, it, I was like, excellent. There's people in Junto that are yeah. open to this. But, uh, so there are a lot of
1: can we say what this is yeah okay com- so combo yeah uh, we both have done this um, and you go ahead and go for it
2: sure so to get in any kind of there are physical fundamental things that you have to get rid of before your mind starts working right right and the best way to start is with your diet like I'm no I'm not a nutritionist or a doctor but cutting out sugars and processed foods is a great start drinking a bunch of water you know getting that up point but there are modalities out there that can really Trigger a total and rapid detoxification for the body. And one of them is being combo, and so it is a it's a frog uh, secretion from a specific Amazonian frog, and it is placed between in gates in your arm, or you can do spine it spine I other areas of the back. body. And once those gates are just like a light, almost cigarette burn on the skin, you apply the uh, the combo, the secretion. And then you wait, you drink a quite a bit of water, more water than you would care to ever, you sit with it and then you purge. Purge it up. But the thing is, as you know, you're fasted going into this yeah. thing. There shouldn't be there's nothing in your stomach. Mm-hmm. So what You'll
1: know if the person next to you didn't fast.
2: <laughs> very true. And even yeah. and even if you did, like what color is the fluid that came out? Yellow. For you? Well, you, green. Dark <laughs> yeah. dark.
1: Well mine was so This is probably getting too weird, but it was definitely yellow and it was almost like bile, but I know of other people that was black, Mm -hmm. right? But I didn't drink coffee or didn't have any caffeine, sugar, alcohol, drugs, meat for a month coming into this whole thing. I didn't know you went full. Yeah. Full because vegan. I was told I had to. That's good. They that's told me I had should... to. And if I wasn't, I was going to like die. So of course I came in like way more clean than everybody else, but I was also functioning like the highest level I've ever functioned in my life. That's like clean my body, my clean body. mind. So when I did it, it wasn't, it was intense. But one of the things that's crazy is, I don't know if this happened to you, but like you swell up. Oh, like you look crazy. And especially if you're doing it with people, because your body is like literally clearing out everything through your pores and through your stomach and everything. So everything that's bad in your system is gone.
2: It's incredible.
3: So like your skin, like do you have like oh, just, out? All of a sudden you go like this. But like do you have like like
2: acne? Nah. Does that
3: kind of stuff happen? Mm,
2: no, no it, it's mostly out through you. It yeah. comes out through your, your purge in your mouth. Got it. But it, it really is instant. Have you ever felt worse? <laughs> and and better in no. a shorter period of time.
1: Never, ever. It's an amazing. It is. It's. This is not like a hallucinogenic thing no. at all. It's just literally like a medicine, basically that clears you out. And there are people do it all over the. You can go to places in town here and, and do this.
2: They do it with infants in the Amazon. Yeah. Like if an. If the, this is their kind of not to get to. This is their vaccines. how they they use in in the Amazon. Like that's how they, it's like an annual thing. Let's clear up, let's clean up and use the, use nature to do it.
1: And typically this leads to, a lot of people do this on on its own. I know you were doing it alone, um, but other people do some other medicines, so to speak, or some other things to kind of, so this may be like the first thing you do in the day before you do some other like growing and learning, some work for yourself, so to speak.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is used, again, we're trying to clear out any type of inflammation that's clouding our mind, right, and our body. Oftentimes it will be used in association with another plant ceremony, which is when we're talking about the subconscious mind, there are, you can get to a certain point with meditation and the breath work, like breath work gets you, can, can release natural levels of DMT and get you to a space where you can get closer to the issues that are really you're sitting with. But there are plant medicines that have been used for thousands and thousands of years. That where you almost have no choice but to get to your subconscious mind and look at the things that you don't want to look at. And that's a that's another option for, for folks to to explore. But we're not. You, yeah, you talk to your doctor. Yeah. Talk to your. So,
3: Phil is combo the same thing as toad? No, like, it's different.
2: No, different. Okay, I think, yeah, yeah. Toad
1: is is a, that's the DMT, that's the, that's that's where you go if you don't want to do breath work and meditation. I always
2: wonder if those two frogs are friends. (laughs) in the kingdom. (laughs) They might be. It should be a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: might be. So when you were going into the breath work and the meditation, Mm -hmm. the combo and all that sort of stuff, did you find, like, when did you find, like, peace? And I know you're still looking for this stuff and you're still doing a ton of work. But like you had mentioned to me before, you know, you had to go, okay, well, wait a second. Why was my mom like this? And then why my, my, my birth mom, and then why is it that like I lost my parents at such a young age, mm-hmm. you know, why did I want to go? And you know, why was I drinking so much? And why was I like chasing women when, you know, when you are younger? Um, like why were all these things? Like you're definitely a thinker of like, why am I doing all these things all the time? That's why you probably study so much. So, when did you hit a point where you're like, okay, this stuff's working?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and there it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, right? Like I didn't have any aha moment. I mean, there've been a bunch of aha moments, but not like overnight, this is what happened and this is Yeah. what your issues were, but piecing together, like it became very crystal clear to me that when I was when I left my mother. Like we've talked about gratitude here. This idea of gratitude and being grateful for the family that I had found also made me really hate myself that I still had pain of being abandoned. And again, yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't focus on that. You're safe here. And the more I put together, even from my own family, I just I there were concerns all the way throughout my my childhood and even into my adult life that I have to perform. And do well, or is this family gonna get rid of me too? Right. Is this woman gonna get rid of me too? am i am I enough? Yeah, and I never thought that I, I I never that was never in my conscious mind, right? And this is again stuff that most guys don't like to talk about, and I didn't, but now I'm like, this is great because I know I am enough. But it was piecing together that just because you were taken out of this situation, which is a blessing. You don't have to be, it's okay that you have issues with being abandoned. Like that's okay. But you also, once you accept that and let it go, which I have gotten, so I have gotten to a place where I really felt like I was communicating, whether it was real or just in my mind, it doesn't matter, with my biological mother, with my mother that has passed, in stating, "You all are doing the best that you can, and I loved you, love you deeply, and everything worked out the way that it worked out, and it's all good. And I don't have that fear of being abandoned anymore. I'm an, I am enough as an individual, I'm doing the right things, making peace with the past, being a better man each day, and that's all yeah. OK. Yeah. and i challenge anybody that's listening if if you're having any any inkling of this if you have any type of uh unresolved um anger or or sadness about something like there are modalities and just sitting in silence by yourself is something you don't even need to you don't even need anybody else or any other substance or anything like that to kind of get to to the base of it so
1: when you met your wife, did she, obviously she knew, knew about your past, but she, did she know how, you know, your, your, your thoughts of abandonment and all this sort of stuff. And like, was she been on this journey with you through all this stuff?
2: Absolutely not. Okay. She didn't, she did not know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, she's stoic Irish and I was going to be the, the, the guy that, like Irish from Ireland. She Irish. is from, yeah. from, from, from <laughs> Dublin, Ireland. And, uh, when we met, she just she thought I had all everything figured out, and well, I mean, she knew she did We, we <laughs> were partying pretty good, but like from an emotional standpoint, yeah. she just thought I was a super well-adjusted, which at that point I had been doing the work. I would never have met her, yeah. Like, cause I met her, it, it did happen fast. It was about two years after I really went down the the self-help and meditation path hard, but I was a I was a partier, you yeah. know, like a lot of us are in Gento or, or were. I, Some I, are I yeah yeah I and she 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 knows about that past too yeah and she knew that I was a, a hard worker and that I was trying just continually trying to get better, but she didn't realize any of these what I just shared about getting to the the abandonment stuff, and most people who are listening to this if if it was true they wouldn't think so I just hit it really well we all yeah. do. We, we, we we don't want to bother other people with Mm -hmm. our weakness, but that's not the way to approach it.
1: (laughs) No, no. I mean, not to get myself involved in this, but I'm terrible at that. Like I never, I definitely don't tell everybody what's going on.
2: Well, I've tried to, I've tried to corner you to get Uh, uh, to talk about your, (laughs) your parents multiple times. You are, you're an elusive one. You're pretty good at it.
3: I've known him his entire life, and I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot there.
1: There's a lot to unpack here that's <laughs> for me, so... Well, well I just think I'd that, like, for, to me, for me, it's a... Uh, you know, I have a lot of responsibilities for a lot of different people that some people think that it would be better if I was more... Um, it's not that I don't, like... Emotionally available. Yeah. Um, but it's also... I don't really have the. I don't really want everybody to think that, that that I'm not that I'm not strong, because I have to take care of everybody. In my mind.
2: So, what's your definition of strength?
1: Uh just making sure that everybody else feels okay.
2: <laughs>
3: Stoicism, I think, yeah. is kind of what I would say yeah. about him. It's just like strong, um, d- d- a little closed off because. And I'm sorry, Ryan, I don't put words in your mouth, but I feel that perhaps because he does help I mean, pretty much everybody in this room, right, at least the three of us over here, we mm-hmm. would have a much different life if it wasn't for him. And I think that he doesn't want to stress us out if he shows maybe some vulnerability that would make it harder for us maybe, or at least that's what he thinks. That, that's just my
1: hypothesis. Oh, I also, there is some of that for sure, but I also feel like I don't, um, it's kind of like embarrassing to feel to be weak.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I don't really care to be weak.
2: But are <laughs> are you weak? What is the, what is uh, at times for sure?
1: You know, like the market's really tough right now. Money is just way different than it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, it I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of, of things and a lot of responsibilities that I have on my plate that I that I. Uh, you know, that I just have to take care of it myself. There's nothing really anybody can do, so why let everybody else get involved in my shit?
2: Does the markets make you weak? The
1: markets, uh, yeah, the, because it, it doesn't make me weak. The financial side of things It's just—it's just tougher, you know. And I and I'd rather just uh, handle my own shit.
2: From what I've seen, though, and from what I'm hearing, you do handle your own your own shit. Yeah,
1: so I don't have to let it, no one else has to worry about it. <laughs> So be, I think
3: so being um, the, one of those people, right? This
1: is about Phil, guys. <laughs> uh-huh, see, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Ryan's oh, podcast. Yeah,
3: but I think this is good. It's it seems fine. like Phil wants to okay. go this, there. All
1: right, we can go there somewhat. I'll okay. cut it off well, when I know it. We can cut what whatever out that, yeah. need to, that
3: needs to go. But what um, I think that a lot of people in Ryan's situation don't understand is the, it's completely the contrary for me with him always being strong, right? It's because it makes it very difficult for, I'm speaking for myself, not for these two, but makes it difficult for me to be vulnerable around him mm-hmm. because it feels like, well, he does it, like he's able to keep his shit together, so I've got to try and do that too. So it actually it's harder on me, the lack of vulnerability, because I feel like I'm, I'm weak because he does it and he seems fine and I can't and you know he's the closest well other than my children he's we lost our parents too he is my my lifeline to the Madrid you know legacy Mm -hmm. so anyways that's just my take and I
2: I think that this goes down to the it's kind of an over it's overused but the the putting your oxygen mask on first so that you can give oxygen to those around you is extremely important and how it's displayed, I don't think. First of all, knowing you, that's going on two years, and we we're getting closer. But no one thinks you're weak, and no external factor can make that be so. It is. I, I I think there's just opportunity to back to the it is cliche but breathe, and own every aspect of life, even when things aren't aren't falling in our favor. But we can.
1: Yeah, it, there's uh, the last thing I'm going to say. It's very hard thinking about the fact that you're going to disappoint everybody else. Amen. And that's 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 just the tough part, and it gets really hard.
2: That is full circle. That was my biggest fear, is to disappoint the family that saved me and gave me all the opportunity in the world and then didn't get to enjoy the entirety of their life. <clears throat> To to disappoint them is, is my biggest fear, but what the work has shown me is the only way I'm going to disappoint is if I intentionally inflict pain on others, or I don't give it my all to make this place better than I left it. That's the only way. Yeah. Other than that, there is no there is no failure. they're just not it's it's we're here in this game together and as long as we're doing everything in our best capabilities which needs to be looked at what is the best um you can't disappoint
1: yeah well i think going back to just like you said doing work Mm -hmm. um i'm constantly trying to do work and 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 uh I'm not great at consistency. And so like you said, we doing the best. So I know that I'm not ever always doing the best. Um, and I'm very much in and out of trying to find different things. And But when I, what I, if it, as long as I'm doing something, um, it, I at least at that point know that I'm on the track of doing the right thing, right? So a lot of this is this stuff. Like, you know, I'm not consistent with meditation, but I do do meditation, right? I'm not consistent with breath work or, reading, you know, a specific thing or doing like maybe my top three things I did the night before Or that day before and then what am I gonna do tomorrow, you know, I'll do all these things But it won't be all at the same time and um You know, it's just a matter of like, you know, there's always excuses in your life and how how things go, but I'm also a believer that like I enjoy my life too and and as as long as like I'm not like being crippled by by my emotions and stuff, and we had talked before about like you know my past experiences with uh, you know some of the things that we were talking about, but I didn't always have to like even though I lost my, my parents young, I was thirty five, not too too young, thirty five, around there. Yeah, I was thirty. I I don't eight. really have like trauma. Like that, I have like that emotional part. Like, that's very shitty, obviously. I I bought, yeah, I'm more bummed out about my kids not having the grandparents around. But from a childhood standpoint, it was pretty freaking awesome. So I don't really have that. I have like more like the joking stuff, how crazy my dad was, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like psychopath, like, you know, just like the, the most angry guy ever, but also the funnest, you know. So those all turned into like funny things so my my work is more about like the last like it's there it's almost more current stuff like I started doing work to, to try to figure out okay how am i do how, I need to be doing things better now, not searching for something that was in the past, but I don't know I mean maybe I am looking for something from the past, I don't know me knowing that I disappointed my dad because he was disappointed has always bothered me because he did, he had no right to be disappointed in what I was disappointed in. Does that make sense? Yep. So it was, I mean, probably the same thing that Aiden kind of felt like when he was younger about, you know, d- achieving things the, to a level where like you're disappointing your, your dad cause you're not doing it quite the way that you, he wanted you to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always, you know, something that, it's funny because I always said that I would never do the same things to him that my dad did to me. And I was way better, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes. From what I've heard, yeah. <laughs> but there's definitely moments where, uh, you know, where, it, you know, sports and stuff that like I regretted hugely. And I learned, I think, at a quick, you know, way younger age, when for him to be like, okay, just back away. Like, this is not something I need to put my pressure on, on my dad. But I was a really thin kid, super skinny kid. And that used to bother my dad so bad. Like he was like embarrassed by it. And uh, that always kind of like, so when things would go south, because I was, and I was very athletic, but because I was so small, that it was like, he was embarrassed by it. And I have like specific, like my, like moments where he was just like disgusted. And I remember playing little league, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, playing, idea That was my dad saying shut that the was fuck it. up. <laughs> that was it.
2: That was
1: it. <laughs> Don't tell this story. <laughs> I,
2: I, will say I was. I'm sorry. I think that was an. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Whoopsies. No. What happened was. Um, so you know, like in in Little League, when you're you're done with practice, the grounders go to every position. You mm-hmm. throw it in, and then you run in. Like getting a ball, I was playing second base. Guy threw it in, and I short hopped it to the to the catcher. And the other coach, my dad was like the assistant coach. This is so crazy because this is like thirty some years ago. Said something like, "I'm with, oh yeah, Ryan's not strong enough to make it." To and my was dad, Marlin said that. No, it was uh, Josh. I can't remember the other the guy's name. Of course not, Marlin. Marlin would never say anything mean. Right, he's so nice. <laughs> um, but I remember afterwards, my dad grabbing me by my arm, putting me in the car, putting me in the garage and making me lift weights in the garage after baseball practice. And, you know, that sort of shit, it was crazy. And then when I was like, God, we're getting deeper on this one, one more, I'm I'm gonna quit. But so when I'm like 30, I mean, I got, I was like really into like weightlifting and I got pretty big and and, uh, I remember coming to my parents' house in like a tank top, which I never wore. And my dad going, why'd you have to wait 30 years to start getting, you know, getting big? And in my mind going like, you're a fucking dick. Like, like, why not like be like, damn, you look good. Well, he did. That's what he meant by it. And at this point, him and I that were was really. It.
2: That was his way of giving a compliment. Yeah.
1: At this point, like we were really close and we never really weren't, but nothing like him and I are, um, not until I was way older.
2: But you, br- you bring up such a great point. And first of all, why on earth would you ever want to disappoint anybody? Right. But. These things, even uh, you're given some examples of, of things that were passed down directly from your dad. And like you said, you were intentional about not trying to, to pass this on. It's called, I think it's getting pretty popular, called ancestral trauma. But, or generational trauma, I think is the, but generational trauma versus there's ancestral trauma too. And this is when it gets really wild is you go up your DNA history and we're carrying trauma from like wars that if it hasn't been exercised out or worked on, get passed along at a cellular level. And there's a combination, right? They could just be passed on. You have no control over that. You you just have to do the work. You own it now. Yeah. But then those that are just passed on from generation to generation. And at the end of the day, people are really just doing the best that they can. And once you get to that, that, for me, that brought a lot of peace. Do we always want to expect better? Wish things may have been different? Yes. But- your parents are usually doing the best that they can.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's true. Well,
3: if you look back at our paternal grandmother, a lot of that went to my dad, for sure. Because mm-hmm. we were, I don't know, I was in college, I think, when she passed. But, you know, now, as an older adult, I've heard so many stories about how, hate to use word crazy, loosely... <laughs> but um, very irrationally volatile, I guess I'll say that. Mm. And I know, and I remember as little kids, we would, everybody would be like, oh yeah, grandma, you know. And then I was like, dad, you're no different on many levels. <laughs> and I ha- we have a, another extended family member who used to like shit on my dad for his behavior. And I'm like, you're the same. Like th- <laughs> these are like it Madrid, deep, deep, deep Madrid issues. And you know, like you said, I guess we can just work hard to try and not to be like that. But it is, it is bizarrely close. Hard, to, and hard to fight your nature. Have, yeah, right. And luckily, um, that side of the family is also, you know, so maybe they're a little bit high strung, but they're also incredibly successful and charismatic and, you know, great in sales and very, very smart people. Yeah. But the flip side is. Sometimes It's just – there are many times when we were little where, again, I was a total daddy's girl, so I didn't necessarily have the same experience, but there were times he was, frankly, embarrassing. We were talking about a story (laughs) before the show because Aiden's wearing a Rod Stewart shirt, and I had a whole story about how my dad went nuts on these people at a Rod Stewart concert. (laughs) And my my mom was, like, horrified and, like, wanted to slink out of the, you know – the venue because he thought
1: like, he was 6'5" 260 but he was 6 <laughs> foot 175.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he had, but he had zero
1: fear sure. of anything at any time.
3: <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately <laughs> some of that zero fear he also had zero fear of making people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like he truly he did not give a shit. <laughs> and our grandmother was the same way. I mean f- she was. So What
1: is that noise? so weird. weird. I just heard it again. So moving on anyway. back to Phil, back Phil Crawford. To Phil. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so what you just did for me is some things that you're looking to, to do for others. Are you doing it right now for other people, like on an individual level? I know you're talking about doing it like for like groups.
2: Yeah, so uh, working, working one-on-one right now. Um, I'm, I'm just doing this. This is nights and weekends, right? So yeah. whenever it works out and people are looking to explore a little bit, that You can go, what's great about this stuff is it's really, you just guide someone. The beauty of all this work is all, it's all self-healing. You're just a guide navigating people along because even if you've used Headspace or an app, that holds you a little bit more accountable and you can kind of unplug and just go along. But you have someone talking you through it. You can move at the pace and and really get to, if you literally just like you just did, Get to a spot where you can research and go through your history, feel into where you're feeling in your body. It'll bring things up that you hadn't had the space to think about because you've been on your phone or with your kids or staring at a screen or working. Yeah. So the sessions can be pretty impactful if I'm working with my own uh, meditation and mindset coach, two of them actually, who are doing the same thing for me and I'm learning from them how to walk through and get to these specific pain points and literally just clear out. I'm, I'm putting the frame on it as subconscious performance. It is meditation. It is a little bit of hypnosis. It's, it's NLP and all that, but the idea of performance, which has been my key is how do I, how do I achieve and effectively execute on the mission that I'm on? It starts with getting rid and eliminating of all of the limiting aspects and traumatic experience anything weighing you down so you can achieve and perform so that's where the idea of the subconscious performance if you can address that the results you'll get will, will speak for themselves
1: one of the unique things i think for your situation is that you really like your right, your job <laughs> and you're very successful at it and you have this other thing that you're like really really into that's also like you know it's not your hobby Right. It's, it's, it's just work that you're doing that now you're just almost like just delivering to other people that you really enjoy doing. That's what you said, nights and weekends, right? Mm -hmm. Because you do have your career. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the cool thing is, is they can, you know, trying to figure out a way to intertwine it in some way would be awesome. Have you thought about that?
2: I I have. And it's, it it really is. All I'm trying to do is help myself six years ago. Mm -hmm. So, it's a little bit geared towards sales professionals. I by no means think that it, it's limited to it, but the idea of going going in and being a mindset or performance coach for you know sales professionals this exists on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. Like Wendy Rhodes off of uh, billions. Um, exactly. But, but it's it's not just limited to salespeople. But I, I do think it's it's just critical. Like if companies are looking to get the most out of their employees this stuff is not really good great with hr right like in regard to we're intertwining the the personal stuff and the professional stuff yeah. but to me it's all hand in hand the best organizations are the ones that are holistically aligned and are supportive of their employees getting rid of the the mind trash and emotional struggles that they're having because it's half the battle
1: yeah in our space, obviously, I think they are. It, it is intertwined quite a bit. It's easier. Mm-hmm. You're more in like uh, corporate America, right. so to speak. So it's a little more difficult. But I mean, I mean, even like building relationships with clients and stuff. I think you know, dropping some of this sort of stuff with because a lot of those people become your friends, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and the more you can you, know, you can get real with people, the better. Um, I know personally for us here, providing value to, work, like you said, to our employees, having you come in and doing something like this or you know, just any of this or all of this would be nothing but a benefit. It's also getting the buy-in from the employees to want to really, you know, work on themselves and, or, or see the value in it. And it goes back to Steven Harris and his thing too, the opportunity. Oppo flow. Um, so talk about a little bit about your podcast.
2: Yeah. So, so Steven, who was just recently on, on, uh, into the storm, he and I, We've both been working on this stuff. I was with the working with the Flow Research Collective at the time and at Junto Summit, we both gave presentations. Uh, I was glad that I wasn't kicked out of the group after mine because I did not know how that was gonna go. <laughs> and after making you guys get in the cold plunge, but we were reviewing the trip and it was like there was some overlap there. Like I had no idea that, you know, his was gonna include any of that. Yeah. So we said, We've got something kind of going on here. Instead of us both starting a podcast where we're just talking to the screen by ourselves, which we're both doing now too, let's just get together, start rapping about some of these topics, how they overlap, and see where it goes. Like, let's hold each other accountable to creating, which I think is the actual epitome and the reason that humans are unhappy is they're not creating. We're in a, we're in a very consumption stamp mindset right now. We, talk, we spent a lot of time at Gento talking about that. We're consuming, consuming, consuming and not getting the information or our own, our own mental children out into the world in, into a state to share it with, with the world. And I think that's why people aren't very happy is because we were meant to create. That's why people like having kids or half the reason people like having kids, but that was the, that was the idea. Like, let's get together, talk about what we're working on, examples of excellence and see where it goes. And yeah, we're, we're on episode 18, the success flow podcast. And, uh, we are, uh, we do not have any operation like this. This has been very eye Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, we're, we're, we're going to keep at it. You know, we get, we'll be at 20 episodes. That was the goal. I go, let's get 20 done. Uh-huh. Cause I think that puts you in. Five percent or whatever it is. But I think
3: it's more like two percent. Yeah, I think it,
2: yeah. Yeah, I like think
1: it's five. Like, I think five is where most people quit. Or seven. Oh yeah. Seven. Like, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so there we are. Overachievers. We get. Yeah. We're at twenty and and I love it. I Love it. Love this right now. I think that podcasting is even I, even though it's everywhere and people are even joking around how it's everywhere. I still think it's early. I yeah, hundred percent. I I think that the ability to be a fly on the wall of some of these conversations, like I was able to get to know a lot of the Gento group before <clears throat> meeting them, doing my research, just because of Into the Storm. Yeah, and uh, it's that has just been huge. And I, what we're able to take away, what I, what we're able to create in a point in history, is just it's incredible. We're sitting here on my my sister just went into labor by the way today. Oh wow and the fact that i'm going to be able to give van a shout out on the day of his birth and there's a capsule in time when we were all together sharing this that lives in infinity infinity mm-hmm. it just blows my mind yeah like it i, I just don't think it's totally cut on yet
1: not at all and i will say this it's one of the things that i see that sometimes frustrates me from a selfish standpoint is yeah. so i so many like really popular podcasts are are from like a, either a pro athlete, you know, a, a star of some sort, you know, a movie star or a TV star, you know, somebody that's been famous in some capacity, and they're able to have other famous people on, other athletes on, and, you know, it's like same seven questions to the same guys, you know, um, specifically like, say there's like some basketball guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when was your wake up moment when you came into the league every single time. Right. And then they got the same, it's the same story when there, I feel like the content that's created in, in, you know, your podcast, my podcast is so it's story driven. Right. And it's like, it's intentional and it's like things that I think are ins- inspiring and things that will help other people think. Um, but to get viewership is very difficult. And so you want to deliver this message to people, but how do you do that? Well, you got to pay a lot of money to do that, but you got to boost it, right? And you have to, you know, just you got everybody to share it and you like it. And, you know, and it's like for so the people that really listen to this, because I, I know you are like a real listener, you know, it, it, it is really great. And But I think that, you know, coming to when we decided to do clips, <laughs> it makes a huge difference because everybody's attention span's so short mm-hmm. right there's going to be probably the opportunity for for 10 clips in this one and hopefully just and that's fine if that's all they want to listen to is like that part of it but we want to drive them to the level of like listening to the whole thing right Absolutely. And, and it's so hard you know when you're competing against these freaking people that's, that really suck i mean it sucks but there's like 250,000 You know views on YouTube For a podcast and you're just like Really like but it's, it's It's mainstream America wanting To listen to somebody who they watched Play on Sunday you know It's like it really is it in, You know I don't know it's a little frustrating In that aspect because I had I just wish more people Would listen to like this episode is good This is no worse than A Joe Rogan episode To be honest with you sorry I mean it's really not It's there's the information that you're getting out of this, out of this is the same exact shit. Um, but I agree.
2: And you get the thing about your podcast is if you're looking from a Phoenix aspect, like from a community standpoint, the amount of information you're getting about your local community, not yeah, Joe Rogan and, or LA and Hollywood or your sports team. I just, I don't see what people are missing. That's why I think it's late or I'm sorry, early. Yeah. Because, Of that, like, and it's the attention span thing too, which I hope is going to give because it can't get any smaller. Yeah, And I I really, I'm just bullish that people are going to come around and realize, wow, the information that I've really been wanting to find, and especially from my local community or, you know, people that are outside of just the top talking about the celebrity sports or 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 politics, that that it's going to come around. And I think we're just early.
1: Yeah. And I think this topic is, is getting traction it has been for a long time, I think, but right now it's like really, I think more people are willing to talk about, you know, like, like the meditation side of things and mental health and just getting better, working on yourself. Speaking of that, Trisha, do you have something?
3: Uh, I just wanted to, I just looked at our numbers. This is our 78, 70, it's actually 79th episode. Just
2: 79.
3: Yeah. And we've been doing this for a long time. Top, we're actually <laughs> right at about two years. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah
2: you hey. got this, I'm not just saying this cause I'm sitting across the table because before I got to know Ryan, before I got to know you, I was I listened to it, getting ahead, doing my homework on the group. And it it's just really well done. I listen to a lot of podcasts and it actually makes me, it gives me hope that how quickly we can scale up. Cause we've got a lot of work to do. Um But it's, it's good, man. And it's, it's not, like you said, you've got a lot of real estate, you guys are doing a great job. It's, it's, not just real estate. You're getting so many yeah. good stories of people's paths and that there's not one right way and that there's always time to make changes and you've got a yeah. really good thing going.
3: I think that just like with social media, it's hard not to get caught up in the vanity metrics, mm. right? The numbers. So if if let's just say 200 people watch this or, or 10, if they're the right people, that should matter. But it's really hard not to be like, why is this only you know right being seen or heard by this small group it's tough it, the, the ego it's and we spend so much time a lot of work. on this and ryan's made a huge investment with equipment it is frustrating but i just keep trying and today on the Biltmore luxury tour i was because john was there right so we're talking about his podcast episode and then um i was telling well, i can tell you offline but like corinne came up and i sent the link off to some agents and i'm like just trust me on this yeah. Listen to it while you're driving around, you know, just do it and you will thank me later. And it happens all the time. People are like, damn, like that was really good. And they might only listen to it in five or 10 minute increments, you know, mm-hmm. but if that somehow benefits that agent or entrepreneur or just any person, try to celebrate those wins.
2: Absolutely. Is that's why we're doing it. That's right. why you're doing it. Right. Who can you impact, and it really is kind of like this wide net to potentially catch one or two fish. But
1: yeah, for me, it's like it's when you pick like a guest, you want somebody on. For me, it's and we talk about this quite a bit. Is that I just happen to have a lot of really cool friends. So ninety nine percent of the people that are on here are my friends. You know, out of the you know eighty or whatever seventy eight. I would say probably 73 or four I'd like I'm friends with. And from either like the real estate space or just from childhood or from Junto um, or just like out in the, out, in the, out about EC 70, you know, mm-hmm. Charles, whatever. Um, and so, but there's a lot of people that are way more successful than some of the people that I have on here in the same exact space. But they're not, they don't have like the story that I really care to talk about. Like, and I'm not really interested in listening to systems and processes and workflows and stuff. About that's not what we built this for, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe the the first, the first we did. So yeah, we want to make it about the business. This is something that's going to help drive our business and and what's the you know the value add, so to speak. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's uh, you got to provide something that's going to be. Cause it's not about me giving information. It's about the guests giving information and telling their story. Like you guys, your podcast is a different model. It's like, you're providing information that people are going to want to listen to that you have in your head. And same with Steven, right? Um,
2: we're bringing the guests in too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that's, that's a whole new different, yeah. Or a whole new separate challenge that we're finding that you told us loud and clear. Yeah. The scheduling and yeah, yeah. But uh,
3: we can help you out. We can give you some tips there uh, if he hasn't oh, already. We're going to. Yeah. yeah. It was a huge challenge for us. Yeah. Like Stephen, when we were, I was walking him out last week, he's like, So you record the same time, same day every week? And I'm like, Yes. He's like, God, that's so much smarter than trying to like work around schedules and make, you know, that's yeah. like one of the biggest recommendations I would make to anybody who's bringing on guests to a podcast. Make yeah. them come to you. Because at first, we were so worried that we weren't going to be able to get guests. So we were trying to accommodate their schedules, mm-hmm. and it, it just was too tough to get yeah. us, you know, three of us plus that guest in the room at the same time
1: when we all have jobs. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll bend if we need to. Sure, 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 but, of course. Yeah, but
2: it's also nice that you know what mindset you're going to get in on Wednesday yeah. at, or whenever it is. Yeah. You you can be prepared to be in that space. Totally. The day.
1: that's it's my pretty favorite much day
3: of the week, hands down.
1: Yeah. Are, are another th- the uh, the call to action, I think, with this podcast is something that we're always kind of working on, too, trying to figure out, okay, from a viewer standpoint, how do they take this episode and implement it in their brain to be like, all right, you know, this is ultimately, we're in the Bison Ventures studio, you know, it's Into the Storm podcast, but it's part of our marketing for Bison Ventures, right, our mortgage company, and how does it drive Business to us as well, and you know that's why having realtors and, and people in the real estate space on this is something that we value as well. Um, to hopefully people that are working with us or people that you know we want to work with. But when we have episodes that are like this or some episodes, you know, just for somebody who's doing work in the community, it's also ultimately I want that like that that feeling from the viewer to be like, these look like the people that I want to be like doing things with, or Hey, you know, I got when they're at a party and someone goes, you know, I'm going to go buy a house and I need to get a loan. Well, dude, have you checked out, you know, into the storm and you, you know, Ryan and Trisha over there at Bison ventures, you know, they're great. Right. And, and I think it's, it happens. I mean, we definitely have fans, so to speak, the, the people that love the show. Um, just don't we haven't like figured out exactly what the metric is and what's the uh, ROI um, but I know we don't lose money put it that way but um, okay. but it's, well,
2: it, sorry
3: sorry like I think the this is a more of a, this is more of a brand proposition than a than a true marketing one right And Ryan and I agreed on that very early on and I think what I believe has been the biggest benefit is this humanizes us yeah absolutely. Right? Ryan becomes way more approachable when you see him talk. The about unapproachable stuff. guy. Well,
2: no, no, no. sorry, not that he's not. But ask, I'm saying. That ask me about the first Junto happy hour, and <laughs>
3: okay, no. but I think that um, for anybody, you, the guests, even myself, yeah. like, even though I'm just piping in on the microphone, I, people are craving connection with an authenticity, and I know that's like such a overused kind of like no. buzzword right here, but it's real. I mean, they there's tens of thousands of People Just agents alone, I don't know how many loan officers there are, but they're like 70,000 real estate agents. It's like, why would somebody hire this person over this person if they don't have a a personal connection through family or friends? It's because they feel like they can trust them, and they feel like they have something in common with that person, right? And that, I think, this is creating opportunities for people to be like, oh, yeah, I played soccer when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, I studied in Spain. Whatever that thing is, just makes us a uh, makes us more than just mortgage people.
2: I couldn't agree more and I told you I was having some conversation this this week and brought Bison into the the conversation because it was I had just met this guy's wife for the first time. She's a realtor. I I brought it up and it does give you something to send over mm-hmm. that's not just an Instagram with listings. It's like <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, no. 100%. It's that's yeah. that's big. And and to be able to do that, I think is something that and, and also be fun to listen to, right? Like yeah. it's actually a good product. <laughs> gotta have, gotta yeah. have that as well, but it is a differentiator and, and I'm sure helps you show up week in, week out to do the work.
1: I think that before we wrap, I think that we need to really figure out if, we if, and what episodes we want to be sending out, like on a, like Steven mm-hmm. does a really good job of sending out his, 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 his uh, every other week, is it?
2: his newsletter yeah it's
1: weekly weekly his weekly newsletter there should be i think this should be sent out to our clients and to our partners and all sort of stuff it needs to happen so i agree get on that Just absolutely I, yeah. <laughs> I agree i mean it's all right. yeah all right so all right we're gonna wrap up now but i think we're almost at an hour and a half but that's oh. pretty good <laughs> thanks for coming on i knew this was going to be a really good episode um And there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of nuggets in this one that's going to think not only benefit us, but you as well. Um, And the guests. I mean, this is deep. And, And I have like a lot of like things in my head going on about who you should be talking to. I may never hear from Brian North again. And once Phil and him get together, but <laughs> but there were so media, many. Meeting gonna, gonna be meeting is gonna be like two two best friends. <laughs>
2: well, I got to meet, I, I meet. got to meet him briefly, oh, yeah. a, but then uh, um, we haven't been able to connect. Yeah, since, well, but, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you
1: guys need to connect because there's so much similar. And Jason Randolph I was as say well. To Jason for sure. In fact, we'll probably walk over there and say hello after we get down there. But anyways, thanks again. How what'd you think, Aiden? It's great. Yeah, oh, man. it was
3: so fun having you
2: here.
1: Just, you know, Can awesome. you come work here for free? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, all trade right. you,
2: I'll trade you that t shirt for a job. Deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Take your fucking shirt off.
2: <laughs>
1: Excuse me on that one, everybody. Uh all right. That's about wraps it up then. Thanks everybody out there. Please listen. You, like and subscribe. Go on to our social media platforms or social media. All the social media platforms. Thanks right, yeah, man. Absolutely, dude. Appreciate it wrapping it up. Thanks, everybody.